Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Techies, the podcast about simplifying our lives one gadget at a time. This is episode number 99 for Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. My name's Shane, and tonight we have another couple of awesome folks from America's Next Top Podcast or previous seasons. First up, we have from season two, my former teammate, The Jen. Yeah, I'm here to give you a banana hug, man. What's up? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Very happy to hear that. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, which, you know, out of context, that does sound <laughs> questionable. I am that not giving you a banana hug. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was a great, uh, yeah, because that was, was it your, was it the college you went to? Was the banana yeah, slug? I'm the UC Santa Cruz banana slug. And so we were the banana hugs because we're so friendly and it sounded funny. Indeed. That was a lot of fun. And that other voice you heard would be from season one of the aforementioned ANTP. Joe Hood, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. And I realized as they start doing season three of ANTP, we can now start calling ourselves the grandparents of the show. (laughs) Like we're three generations back, which means we get to sit in the rocking chair and grumble about what these kids are doing these days <laughs> absolutely uh which yeah eventually I, uh, they'll start releasing it even though it's uh i guess it's going on but uh we'll see here in a couple weeks few weeks whenever hammond get it gets it figured out <laughs> somewhere in there hopefully sooner or later i, w- I wouldn't mind uh kind of listening and having to hear them go through their torturous <laughs> Did anybody else get like a knot in the back of your neck the moment the Discord channel started going off when they were doing their activities and you're like, oh, is, is it ready? Is the recording ready? Are we ready for my, for whatever day? Yeah, I, I yeah. tell you, it's amazing. Watch Having watched it for a season after being in it, it uh, you have this deep sympathy, but also this wonderful sense of at least I'm not doing that again. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I suppose without further ado, let's talk about some news. News. Sorry, I had to j- turn on my lightsabers in the back real quick. All right. BBC News has a little article here talking about Coca-Cola Company Trials' first paper bottle, which um, I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of you know, the environmental progress and things to help help that out and help out with waste and microplastics and all that fun stuff. So Coca-Cola is testing a new paper bottle developed by the Danish uh, company Pabico, I'm going to guess is how you pronounce that. It's the paper bottle company is what it all stands for. But um, they have a goal of being recyclable and plastic-free, uh, ultimately, but they do currently have a thin plastic liner in there. Um, they also have a plastic screw on the top, which is easier on existing, uh, in terms of existing pr- production lines. As you might imagine, um, they got to utilize what they have for now. But the plan is eventually to use a plant-based coating on the inside rather than, I, yeah, I, I, you know, on the inside, they didn't really talk about how that would work with the with the top, I guess they somehow try to figure that out. That, that, that seems like it would be quite the feat. Um, the bottle also needs to not allow the fibers to flake into the liquid, as you can imagine. That's gross. And uh, gas to escape. Um, you know, can't, it's got to be strong enough for that. And, of course, pass health and safety checks, all that. Uh, this trial includes 2,000 bottles in Hungary, which I thought 2,000 doesn't really seem like a lot to me, but... Got to start somewhere, I guess. And not only that, but they're doing it in this this fruit drink called Adez, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, but I, and I guess that's in Hungary, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if that goes anywhere else. It's a single piece of single piece of fabric 
uh, paper fiber based material that gives it strength not to break under the pressure, like I mentioned before. Uh, though they have a good understanding of what the bottle will face in the real world, the trials allow them, as you would imagine, got to be sure, put it out into the world. And, uh, you know, also, as you might imagine, scaling is going to always be an issue. And when it comes to something like this, because currently plastic is so inexpensive and, and highly effective and blah, 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 existing production lines, like I mentioned. But um, I hadn't even considered this until they got to this part of the article. They talk about Tau Tetra Pak, I guess is how you pronounce that, pulled this off in the mid-20th century with their paper and plastic milk and juice cartons, which kind of makes me wonder why we, we don't see more of that. But uh, there's another couple companies out there like Vodka Maker Absolute and beer company Carlsberg. They're also going to be running trials as well. And a big part of why this is a big deal is that last year Coca-Cola was actually ranked the world's top plastic polluter. Uh, But at least they do have a goal of producing zero waste by 2030. So, Jen, let me start with you. Does this seem like something that is feasible? Do you think this this is... A hopeful thing, or is this just uh, is this not a not a hopeful thing at all? <laughs> so we're going to go from being the world's worst polluter, and then in ten years we're going to have zero waste. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm years, glad that you're making steps in the right direction, but I just don't see that being. Um, I just don't see that scale that quickly if we're. But, you know, who knows? My big concern is, is what is this plant-based material? Is it soy? And is that going to be an issue? Because I, as someone who has to think about these things, soy is a hormone disruptor. And for people that have to think about that, we have to be cautious of what kinds of plastics we use because of BPAs. But uh, some of the plant-based things, people don't worry about it unless you have an issue where you have to worry about soy. And soy tends to be the number one plant-based anything when I hear those words. So I'm a little curious. That all fair points. And, and it does sound like in terms of the plastic uh, plant-based liner, that does sound like it's something they're tr- still trying to kind of figure out more or less, you know, cause using, still using a pla- little bit of plastic for now, at least to me, it's kind of strange. Like how thin a plastic are we actually talking and how, how, much is that really i i hope it must be saving a fair amount of plastic if if they're doing this in the first place but um what about you joe does this seem interesting to you does this seem like something that might take off eventually it's definitely interesting to me i think i mean i remember and i'm guessing you guys can both remember when soda bottles well first when they went from glass to plastic i recall that and then the plastic is it seems like it's getting progressively thinner and flimsier, especially water bottles, which is probably, I imagine, the number one source of bottle waste. Um, and, you know, Coca-Cola owns, I forget if they own Dasani or what's the other one? Um, There's Nestle is out there, too. Nestle they does yeah, Nestle, um, Pepsi does Ice Mountain, I believe. Right, like they 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 own the water company, which is you know they take your municipal water and they filter it and they sell it back to you. Um, but like the reduction in plastic seems like a good thing. the The questions I had about it around the pressurization, and I wonder how much of that plastic is helping with the pressurization versus the microfiber. Because I thought about you know we have like you mentioned with the uh, with Tetra Pak. And we've got juice and milk and other liquid products in, you know, in containers that don't have plastic, but they're not pressurized. And the thing about carbonated beverages is that they're pressurized. And I think that I'm guessing that's the big battle here between the pressure and having something that's not as, uh, you know, permeable. Um, something I this made me think of that I think would be even more exciting. I don't know if you guys ever heard about Heineken and their square bottles. They started making square bottles back in the, back in the seventies, I believe. And it was a a test run. And essentially what they were doing is they were trying to figure out a way to make their bottles reusable. So they made square bottles and they actually had a bunch of demos about it where people would take the bottles, fill them with sand, 
stack them, put mortar between them, and they would become bricks, and they would actually turn these green Heineken bottles into structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that innovation that they did with that. And part of that is, for me, that's powerful, is I trust reuse a lot because I can see it. I, right now, I've learned in the last year to not trust the recycling of plastic as much because there's a lot of, you know, discovered in the U.S., a lot of our recycling was getting shipped to China. And then China said, well, we, we're not going to buy that plastic from you. And so now our recycling system is falling apart. Like we need to find things that aren't creating more plastic. Um, right. And I'd love to see them make a, a product that can be reused clearly and easily by users instead of having to just stick it back into an anonymous system again. For sure. Yeah. That's I hadn't heard that about Heineken, but uh, it's kind of funny because I, for whatever reason, I kind of feel like a cylinder is a defining characteristic of a bottle too. But <laughs> like, does it just become a jar when it's, <laughs> I don't know, I guess jars are cylindrical too. So I, it's kind of a funny uh, naming thing, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much in, in agreement with both of you that it's, it's maybe a step in the right direction. Maybe something could happen. Um, probably not too likely, but you know, you got to start somewhere. So Hopefully, hopefully that's what this does. Yeah, hopeful but not optimistic, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, next, we have The Verge reporting that Jaguar will be an all-electric car brand from 2025, while the first all-electric Land Rover is coming in 2024. Uh, so the UK-based Jaguar or Jaguar uh, Land Rover. I guess that's the full name now. Uh, JLR is claiming that its luxury brand, Jaguar, will be an all-electric by 2025. Uh, the first six of um, first one of six vehicles that Land Rover will be making uh, all-electric are coming in t- 2024. I thought it was kind of interesting because they say the first one's coming in 2024, and that's going to be spanning over f- the next five years. So. I feel like they have to pump out the next five like pretty quickly after that. JLR has been slow to embrace electrification in the past, and the Jaguar I-Pace SUV, which I'm unfamiliar with because I can't afford a Jaguar, uh, is still currently their only all-electric vehicle, which I guess they have produced all off-site also. They don't even really make it themselves. Um, but being a premium brand, you know, as you might imagine, they can at least cover the cost of the batteries of these things. They also plan to share this tech with the parent company, which is, ah, that name <laughs> sounds, uh, how would you pronounce that name? <laughs> Either of you, is it, is it actually Tata Motors? I think it might be Tata Motors. Okay. It is actually Tata Motors. It's an Indian company. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All Jaguars and 60% of Land Rovers sold are expected to have zero emissions by 2030, uh, which happens to also be the year that new internal combustion engine vehicle sales are going to start being banned in the UK, which I didn't, I don't know if I had heard that previously or not. But, you know, again, step in the right direction. Other bands include Norway in 2025, France in 2040, and then they throw in a state of California by 2035. As, you know, California does seem to be kind of ahead of the curve in terms of the entirety of our country. (laughs) Uh, JLR is hoping for net zero carbon emissions also by 2039. So... Uh, this time we'll start with you, Joe. Uh, well, do you have any interest in electric cars in general? Let me ask you that first. I do. I do. I like the idea of electric cars. I had some concerns early on when they came out conceptually about range and finding places to charge. But I live in North Carolina, and I have a friend that drove his Tesla like three years ago. Family ride from North Carolina down to Disney World. And he said it was wonderful. It was, they didn't stop to fuel up any more frequently than they would with a regular gas car. 
and they just meant that their stops were a little bit longer and it wasn't, you know, drive for six hours and then charge for three hours. It was, you know, drive for six hours and then charge for 45 minutes to an hour. It was, it was a surprisingly short stop compared to what I thought it should be for, you know, I guess I probably in my head thought it would be like charging my laptop, but bigger. Um, (laughs) So the technology was there, so it was reasonable. Um, I'm also not a big, I don't care about how fast the car goes. Um, I've always looked at miles per gallon as opposed to horsepower when I look at cars. Although with electric cars, they even, they go faster. They pull harder than gasoline cars anyway. Um, My one skepticism about electric cars, it's kind of a concern more than a a skepticism. Land Rover. Like I know how much a Land Rover costs. I've seen, I have a friend that just got an Audi uh, electric SUV. And after he showed it to me, I looked at the price. And there were six numbers in that price. Like it was, it was in the six, it was over a hundred thousand dollars. And just the, these first waves, like the Teslas and these high end premium electric brands that are super expensive. uh, That's not going to be, they need to figure out how to scale that in a way that can be more accessible to people. That's my biggest concern about electric. I think moving away from petroleum will be good for us. Um, It'll be you know, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Um, moving away from petroleum will be good for us. Uh, and then figuring out how to, you know, it'll give us a new way to look at vehicles as a, as you know, I just think shaking up the vehicle industry will be nice. Yeah. And I, I mean, at least Tesla does still have that 35,000 allegedly that one. Uh, I guess I, I think I did get to sit in one once, but still could be cheaper, you know, that's mm-hmm. for sure. And, and you know, the, the other brand I've heard is, has gone mostly electric. I want to say is BMW or one of the other brands. I think they've, they've got a lot of electric vehicles now as well, but again, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not affordable. <laughs> you know, what's you know, what's funny is I've been really excited. VW is supposed to bring back the bus, the VW bus as an all electric. Hmm. And I had heard it, (laughs) and I had heard it was coming in 2021 from a dealer. In fact, Um, Mm. who was trying to get me excited about buying it, and I looked it up when we were talking. When I looked at the show document to see if I could talk about it today, and now I think it's projected for 2023. And it's one of those things that always seems like it's two years away. And that's that's the other thing, like the Avatar sequels. It's not quite flying cars, but like mass accessibility of of electric cars still seems to be something that we're we're always just quite out of reach, like like a bunch of grapes. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jen? Is that do you think this is a, again a step in the right direction? Is this a, a hopeful kind of thing? Definitely. I've been watching car technology ever since like they started to do the hybrids and was on board. And um, I've actually primarily only drove, driven Nissans myself. And the Nissan Leaf, it's small and tiny, but is one example of a fairly affordable electric car. And I wanted it to be on the road for a few years before I look into it. But there's a very real possibility that if I could find one, um, and, you know, make all the, the numbers work that I'll, I'll trade in my Nissan Rogue for a Nissan Leaf. And I, my biggest concern was locations to charge up. Um, I love hearing stories of my friends who are like, hey, guys, I'm at Starbucks doing a firmware update on my car and recharging because I forgot to last night, which is a sentence that can be said now. Um, so I, I'm all for it. Um, and I'm hoping that my next car is electric. That's my goal. And I think it's awesome that these car companies are finally coming around. And now I live in a city where there's, I mean, I was at UNLV the other day cause I'm in Vegas and I parked right next to where all the electric charging stations are like right there on campus, right next to the student union. So, um, I'm in a town now where I don't ever have to worry <laughs> about yeah. finding a place to charge. Yeah. We have them at work as well well when i'm it's been a you know going on a year that i since i've even been in the office but uh you know it's uh it's, it's great to see they're they're popping up more and more um 
yeah. I, but again, you know, that is the biggest, the biggest hurdle I think is getting it down, getting those, really getting the prices of those batteries down. Ultimately, I think is is the issue, and hopefully we can get there uh, sooner or later because you know, twenty fifty approacheth. Just say that. And, and I want to be fair of my grumpiness about it being just out of reach. Uh, it, it's funny. I think about everything in the past that changed, and it feels like it changed instantly. And I don't think anything really changed instantly. There was always a progression of stuff. And I think for me, the challenge with the electric cars is I really want them to be dominant. And and I want them to to be the main type of automobile. And I'm so excited about that possibility that I just can't wait for it to happen. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think I think about hybrids. I remember when um, when the Prius first came out, and I had enough hippie crunchy friends, so I would see them. But it was a novelty. And then it hit a certain point where you just you every day there was a Prius. I saw a Prius everywhere all the time. Um, and I look forward to being at that stage with EVs of just always seeing them. Right. Um, someone in my neighborhood does have a leaf though. And, and I always notice it cause it does look like it's a cute little car. It's a cute <laughs> little car. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's now- the hard part though. Before we go on, I do have to say like, I am a person who loves cars from like my dad loves cars. I grew up around a guy who was in that industry and like I, my favorite car is like a 1967 Mustang fastback. Like that's like hard for me a little bit. Cause there is a culture it's attached to those cars and all of that. But then you feel bad or I'm like, Oh, I could never drive one down the street. Now I'd feel terrible <laughs> like, <laughs> just chugging gas so that I could drive my cool car. Yeah. So Jen, you know, there's the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach E, right? Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the interesting things about the electronic cars is what I've looked at with the with the Mustang, they tuned it to be a performance vehicle. Yeah, and, no, it's true. You can actually get power out of these cars now, which is that honestly I think that's going to be the game changer for those Americans at least that have that oh, muscle car mentality. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel a lot better with some of these newer models. I know in my part uh you know, I live in Durham, North Carolina, and we started getting sort of a tech infusion around here besides just the university culture that we have that you typically drove things culturally around here. Um, and Teslas have become a prestige car, right? People drive Teslas instead of BMWs. If you're, you know, BMW is kind of, you're okay. But if you're really cool, you've got a Tesla. And our kids point them out when we drive around. Oh, there's a Tesla. There's a Tesla. Yeah, I just I have a Facebook friend who just posted uh, there. You know, somebody asked, or he was he was specifically responding to anyone that wanted to know how how it performed in the snow. He's like, works great with the uh, snow tire. I guess he got snow tires for it specifically, but um, sounds like it runs well. Um, you know, on a on a much smaller scale, and um, I've talked a little bit on the show about I have some of these Milwaukee tools that are. Uh, you know, I have a like a they call it a, a string trimmer, or, you know, weed whacker basically, and a and a uh, a leaf blower and a and a chainsaw now even. Uh, most recently, I bought a uh, a snow blower that is a hundred volt one. So like that's that that one's actually that Snow Joe brand, which is you know they kind of specialize in that kind of stuff. But uh, battery tech is just really taken off the last I, even the last 10 years you know it's seems like they're really well, i mean making... just look at your cell phone yeah cell phone batteries alone just blow my mind like my my newest cell phone i'm like i i think i charge it every couple days which is weird that's never happened before <laughs> i mean that's where we're at with battery technology it's gotten incredible for sure yeah well, yeah and i'm right there with you shane i've got i got a battery powered chainsaw as a Christmas present and I had friends make fun of me and then I went out and took apart a two foot thick log yeah it's surprisingly powerful (laughs) all right well enough about what's in the news let's let's listen to me complain about some stuff you know what really grinds my gears 
All right. Well, <laughs> sometimes it literally this does just turn into me ranting about stupid stuff. But uh, I think this is more of a legit one. I think a lot of people out there are complaining about this right now. And it's all about products being out of stock and the scalpers that jack the prices up. Uh, you know, as I, I kind of mentioned, I think pre-show here, I, I want to pick up whenever the next 16-inch MacBook Pro comes out. But that's probably not going to be until like the end of June at the earliest. In the meantime, it'd be great if I could pick up a new PS5, an Xbox Series X, or a another new video card. Like the video specifically, uh, you know, getting a getting an upgraded video card uh, for my external GPU unit could probably speed things up for me at least in the interim. But good luck trying to find a damn one of these that are in stock because uh, they're not. And it's a real bummer. And now the latest I hear is that, you know, scalpers are like complaining that they're that they're putting being shown in a bad light or whatever. Uh, well, you know, you should feel <laughs> you should maybe feel bad about it. I don't know, um, because it's like it because not they're really raising the price, not because you know they're basically pulling a Martin Scarelli or whatever his name is. I mean, for not as important of a thing, obviously. <laughs> I'm not trying to equate the two. But it's still not, I still think it's not right, you know? Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay these twice as much for any of this stuff. Although I will say this Brio I bought, <laughs> I may have paid uh, $100 more than it was supposed to be on eBay, but that was something I kind of needed at the time. And <laughs> and that was maybe for different reasons. I don't, maybe. I kind of think that was like everybody at the beginning of the pandemic wanted a webcam and that was maybe an actual shortage. Um, webcam and headsets, you couldn't buy them. Like they were like two or three weeks out on Amazon. Yeah. All my teacher friends were like, that link you gave me, it's out of stock. And I'm like, oh, well, um, here's another one. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it occurs to me there's a frightening possibility of this in the in the theater market in New York. Some of the theaters probably about five years ago started realizing we scalpers make a ton of money off our product. So why don't we just make the pricing dynamic? So as people buy tickets, we'll just raise the price of the tickets that are left. And it occurs to me that there's probably someone in MBA school right now working on some model to pitch that to Microsoft and PlayStation to do a dynamic pricing model for their game consoles or for other retail goods where the manufacturers just are self-scalping basically um, so that they can reap all the value that gets put into that. And um, right. that's just, you know, it's like surge pricing on Uber, but for electronic hardware, um, yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah, I mean, you've got like the Reddit groups where everybody keeps track of, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, stuff's in stock, go right now!" And everybody dives in to try to buy their their graphics cards, and then they're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah." You know, to be honest, though, Joe, I would I wouldn't mind seeing what would happen ultimately with something like this because, you know, would prices actually rise or would they eventually go down? Like, well, in the case. Well, theaters, maybe that's one thing, but if you're talking about a product that eventually they get plenty of inventory and in, maybe the price actually goes down in the long term or something. Cause like I've it waited. follows actual supply and demand <laughs> right, uh, right. instead of fake demand that people create because they buy everything. I mean, the hotel businesses have been doing this for a long time. That's why booking.com and other places exist is because the hotel rooms are like, this is how much our room is. And then when it gets closer to the date and nobody's taken that room, all of a sudden you can stay in a nice hotel for half the price because they're like, well, half the price is better than no pride, like than an empty room. So I think that if you let some of those things be dynamic, then that's actually very realistic that that's something that they can do now. Well, and the, I think the big difference there that, that might complicate it, that well, certainly would complicate it, is that, you know, both theater and hotel rooms, there's a limited window to buy. Whereas they could probably get away with that dynamic pricing in the holidays or in the first week the product comes out. 
and then if they you know as long as they keep a decent amount being built and and being supplied then the price would normalize and sort of yeah. average out someplace yeah and it, um sorry go ahead i was gonna say and, and you could always get i, I actually started an apparition of my father just appeared in the back of my head saying you can wait three weeks and not pay as much money. Um, (laughs) Right. Well, and I I do think that kind of goes, can go either way, similar to airlines or something. I mean, maybe it's, if it's, it, it all depends on if you're actually going to sell out, if you're not going to sell out, (laughs) they might want to actually, you know, charge less at the last minute to actually get those tickets sold. Yeah, the the one thing here is, how is it all these scalper, like, that's the one thing that always gets me, because the old, okay, so I did this a couple times back in 2000, and I want to say 2008, and 2004, 2005, I can't remember which it was, and that was because I bought an Xbox specifically when Halo 2 came out, I got home at 1:45 with Halo 2, beat it before 6:30 in the morning. I was mad and I sold it and I was able to sell it for more than what I paid for it and I was a college kid so I did not feel bad. <laughs> um fast forward a few years later, I bought a Wii. I was I had a friend that worked at a game store so I could get in line and you know, I knew that they were going to have a Wii cuz they, they didn't even work at a game store. They worked at like Sears, some place that nobody expected would have a Wii, so I was able to sneak in and get a Wii and I was like I'm not really into this this is not what i want i'm a pc gamer and so i sold it for more than what i paid for it originally um so i i guess i never really felt bad about it until i i think about it now but then i keep thinking how do these people like that's where the problem is the problem is the fact that people can buy significant numbers of these that is what we need to figure out so that that's not what's happening right yeah that is the biggest issue and and a lot of places do limit the stock on these types of products at least but that's maybe hard to actually enforce which is which is why i have down here that maybe the ultimately the only solution is just to not buy from scalpers (laughs) but um and i wonder i assume people have got some sort of robot purchasing for them there's some sort of automated purchasing going on that's sweeping things up which has never Um, been more of an issue than it is now (laughs) right yeah well and and i think back to the reality of you know waiting in line for a product i think even if there wasn't covid there wouldn't be there wouldn't have been that much waiting in line this november and december for the you know new playstation and new xbox people were going to be clicking on their computer trying to get it ordered on Amazon or, you know, why walk into a Best Buy when you can just, you know, order it from your phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Well, <laughs> probably not going to solve this issue tonight, but uh, maybe eventually I'll be able to get uh, one of these devices. We'll see. On that note, let's... Talk about my experience with some technology. Uh, uh, where is it? <laughs> oh, no. I need the bumper. What did I do with the bumper? Hold on. Give me a second. Here we go. This is great radio. Great radio. Okay. This is going to be great. And... <laughs> Okay, why can't I find it? <laughs> there it is. XP Boost. Okay, we are talking about. Well, first. Oh, God, stop. XP Boost. I'm going to have to cut this. <laughs> Um, anyway, segment are we in? <laughs> uh, okay, so just a quick XP update on one of the last couple episodes. We talked about a treadmill, the treadmills that I had purchased previously, and just a quick update on those. I ended up out of ah, what the hell is that? Stop it. I don't know what's happening anymore. Blah, 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 blah. 
I don't know what's happening. No I don't way know. Oh, I know. To gas. Oh my god, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is the best ever. This is your Scott Johnson moment. <laughs> I love how the voice out of nowhere called himself out. <laughs> and just said, I'm from out of nowhere. <laughs> oh my god. All right. <sighs> Edits. Those that miss out on the live, man, they're missing out. <laughs> yeah man i have to how do i cut how do i cut the vod anyway all right so treadmills is something that i talked about previously um and one of which i had actually i gave both of them decent reviews because uh it, one of them looked pretty <laughs> and it it seemed it seemed like it was of a high quality well that one's ended up sucking so <laughs> turns out i ended up returning it because it was like it, it ran so hot the the motor and it like it had like a burning smell eventually which is great right and the company that ended up returning it I had to pay for shipping for the thing to boot like it was just kind of a nightmare and um, I looked on the bottom of it and I don't know if it was this way from the beginning or not but it looked like it almost looked like it was caved in <laughs> the metal part of it which is great. Um, and, uh, I have since bought a new replacement for that, uh, from a company called, so the previous one was a city sports was, I guess the brand, which is, you know, super reputable. <laughs> These are all to be clear treadmills on, on, uh, Amazon and cheap <laughs> $400 treadmills, you know, but, eh, let's try to save a buck or two, get what you pay for. This new one is from another super well-known brand called Obstacore. <laughs> and that's the one I'm actually standing on right now, though not using. This is, in both of these cases, these were under-the-desk treadmills. This one is a folding, has like a folding arm that at least transforms into running mode if I needed to. Because, you know, they have like a safety deal on it, at least that... Um, so you can't go above two and a half miles an hour, essentially. And um, that is, uh, that's fine, because I, I don't need to go more than two and a half miles an hour when I'm standing at a desk, you know, or walking at a desk. And uh, the other one I had gotten was this Fun Millie, I guess is maybe how you pronounce that, or Fun Miley, maybe. Uh, since that, like that one, that one was decent, but it has... It's been getting this error over and over. There's, so there's going to be like a replacement board for it or something. So I got to deal with that too. Um, so of those three, this Obstacore one is the one that seems to be holding up the best so far. But anyway, the the main topic tonight is uh, this little guy right here. It is a fuse reel. Uh, the Sidewinder, I guess, is what it's called. It's just the Sidewinder, which is a USB. Uh, MacBook charger, organizer, and travel accessory for MacBook Pro adapters, which I can only apologize if, you know, folks out there are not using uh-huh. Mac specifically. Uh-huh. My, <laughs> I, I do hope that this kind of tech takes off for more, if you can call it tech. It's tech now. It's like a, everything's a little bit technology involved in it and everything, but... Um, yeah, we should come back to that when you're done talking about this, things that are technology now. <laughs> so um, it was uh, something I'd seen a while back that I was pretty intrigued by, and maybe a couple of years ago, and I finally bit the, bolt, bit the bullet and picked one up. Because trying to organize, at least for me, my MacBook charger is always just a, a pain, like trying to figure out the right way to wrap it and have it actually stay together. And I can do that now. It stays in a nice little shape, which, you know, quite honestly, it's it's bigger than it could, you know. You got to deal with it. <laughs> I got to deal with the shape. The size of it is fine. I, it's it, it at least does fit in my backpack. So they have um, six different, I guess this works with six different uh, MacBook chargers, 61, 87, 97, 96-watt uh, USB-C, and then on the MagSafe side, the 45, 60, and 85 watt 
but not the 29-slash-30-watt USB-C, I guess, which I think is actually for iPads. Um, yeah, so it's got this, like, clamshell design. You just pop it open somehow. <laughs> uh, this way, <laughs> which is, it just pops open just like that. Well, at least it's secure, as you can see, and then that's what that looks like on the inside for anybody watching the VOD. Um, and... And then it just snaps up shut eventually. <laughs> it's not going to now probably because I don't normally have to do this. But anyway, uh, you kind of have to both give it give it a little push, you know, open and close to actually shut it. But the way you unwind it, there it goes, is you have to actually pull on both ends. Sorry, give me a second here. I'm probably not going to be able to fix this. Anyway, you got to pull on both ends to actually, uh, at the same time, to un- unreal it, which is takes a little bit of getting used to, but I don't mind it. Because, uh, like, you have to constantly be like, what do you do now? You just have to, like, pull it or or set, set it down somehow while you're pulling on it. But... Oh, wait a minute. Does that mean that you can have varying lengths? Like, you can have yes. only as much cord as you need? Yes, more or less. Then that is a feature. That is a good feature, because that's there's nothing worse than me with my laptop cable, and it's like, I'm at Starbucks, and it's everywhere. Yeah. Again, it takes some getting used to to figure out how to adjust it exactly, you know, to the length that you want. But uh, most of the time, I end up unraveling the whole thing anyway. Um, but it does work. And so once it's once it is unraveled you just you know turn this this little dial and then it it wraps it back up quite quite well and they say like they have on the packaging i think six seconds is what they estimate typically and i would agree that's about but you'd be surprised how much time i waste without this thing (laughs) trying to wrap it up probably a lot more than that um but at least it's it's organized and i don't know i feel better using it (laughs) Yeah, uh, the other thing, like I like I had kind of mentioned, was I really would like to see this type of thing, and maybe there are, maybe maybe this type of tech already exists for other laptops out there and uh, other types of other electronics in general. I I, I haven't seen it uh, out there. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist, of course, but um, really, like having it. I mean, ultimately, it'd be great to get into you know, more of the wireless charging for laptops. And I, I, I have a feeling Apple's probably headed that way sooner than later. But, you know, other than that, it would be good to have something like this built in. Like, they used to have the little hooks on the end of the, uh, on the actual charger for for MacBooks, which was, it was okay if you were only using the, the small, like, I never do. I always want the longer cord because you never know. A, you never know how long of a cord you're going to need, and B, uh, you know it's um, that 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 brick is just kind of a pain to have hanging off of the wall. I think <laughs> I don't want to, you know, uh, the longer cord just just works better the the three prong. So that's my take on that. Um, they do have yeah they have the multiple different organizers for like iPads and and um, other MacBooks different it seems like they're big Apple based <laughs> so I, I I couldn't I don't believe they actually have any um, other types of products currently but it is uh twenty twenty four ninety nine or twenty five whatever you want to call it on Amazon because uh, they're not a sponsor or anything so I think I can round that up uh so I give it a four and a half out of five stars. That is, uh, that's all I have to say about that. Any, uh, any thoughts, questions, concerns, suggestions? I uh, think that thing is cool, but I was just laughing how you were talking about things that are techie that you don't expect to be techie. Yeah. So I should share uh, our recent purchase. Uh, we needed to buy new furniture because even though the only thing that caught fire was the bathroom and everything was fine. Everybody got out fine. Uh, the smoke goes through the whole place. That's yes. like a thing that happens, uh, which I didn't know that a fire for just a few minutes can literally cover everything um, with smoke dust. So we got new furniture. So we got a couch that we have to plug in because it is a recliner. 
that ha you know goes up and down with the buttons. But what's really cool is that the middle flips down and it has a reading light, cup holders, but also uh, USB charging and uh, you can plug in your phone. And I'm not gonna lie, I got really excited when I plugged in my cell phone and it does super fast charging. So way to go couch, way to be awesome. Very nice, yeah, that's right. I, I was super excited. <laughs> I yeah. discovered my mother-in-law has the same kind of couch, but I discovered it by accident because the buttons that adjust the up and down are capacitive buttons. And so I was sitting on the couch and my leg leaned against the side of the couch and all of a sudden it just started leaning back. Um, <laughs> and and this would probably slide into more of the grinding gears. I feel like capacitive touch interfaces have gotten a little bit out of hand. Um those buttons didn't need to be capacitive. Uh, my stovetop doesn't need to be capacitive. In fact, that makes it, I can't change the, you know, turn the timer off when I'm wearing my mutton, my mutton gloves, my, <laughs> my, mm, wait a minute. Using mutton, mutton gloves while you're mutton gloves. Yeah. No, I don't know where, I, I don't know why <laughs> I use mutton gloves. I don't cook baby sheep that frequently. Um, I'm sorry, I've now my brain has short circuited trying to remember what the real name is for that thing you stick on your hand so you don't get burned. An oven mitt? Oven mitts. Mm. Old school technology. You could friend. be using them to make mutton, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I just was totally shocked at the furniture shopping experience, how many couches do things now. And then I was even more shocked when that was the most comfortable couch and the one we went home with. And then, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise that my couch is more high tech than some of the surge protectors I've accidentally bought of poor quality that don't do super fast charging. So way to go couch. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I've seen that more and more on couches now. I'm, have a friend who's who had recently bought one that's that's got those on it too and <clears throat> i mean well, I, think about it you always put your couch inevitably in front of the outlets <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's i kept thinking true. like man i could have D, D night for real once we're not quarantined and people could plug in their laptops and not have to try to tunnel behind the couch to do it mm -hmm. that's pretty cool very cool Yes, yes, indeed. And I am sitting with like 25 year old furniture myself. So <laughs> I, I am in desperate need of an upgrade. And I, I am, I'm weird in that I spend, you know, a bunch of money on audio stuff and, and then I, and then I neglect some of the more important things probably, but I'll get there eventually. Cause I, I, I've said on the show before that I, I know so many, I have so many friends who, who do way more with like home kit or uh, what do they call it? Uh, home automation types of things that I haven't even delved in yet, which is so sad on my part for having a podcast about it, but <laughs> eventually I'll get there. So anywho, uh, that's going to about do it. Uh, nope, no, no listener Collins, unfortunately. Uh, still haven't heard back from anyone, but um, I'll be waiting. Whenever you want to call in, techiespodcast at gmail dot com is the is the place you can uh, email or at, on Twitter at techiespodcast and uh, website niceguynetwork dot com slash techies is where you can find uh, find more info on the show. Uh, we still say I, I I ask this every time I see. I still have iTunes rating on there. It's I guess it's Apple Podcasts is is uh what I should be asking or, or wherever you get podcasts, please leave a rating. If, if you don't mind, I'd love it. Uh, anything, anything at all, please. <laughs> uh, so let's see, Jen, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at the Jen says on Twitter is usually where I post anything that I'm doing. I've been in a bit of a hiatus. Uh, my real life, my day job is too busy, but when I get back into it, that's where everything will be posted. At the Jen says on Twitter. Excellent. And Joe, how about you, sir? Uh, you can find me uh, 
most active on Twitter at J-H-O-U-D-E. That's how you spell my last name. You can also find everything I do at joehood.com, J-O-E-H-O-U-D-E. Um, and kids, if you can buy your name as a URL, do it now. Someone told me that advice yeah, 10 years ago. Someone like you priceless. who has a name like yours can have that conversation. So I tried to get hood.com, just my, my last name. It turns out it's the Quebecois version of Smith. And oh. the, it's there's some company that just bought it and sells email addresses. I was so disappointed because uh, I have friends that bought their names as URLs back in the 90s. Um, but I would like to point out for people uh, one thing. I like like the gen am currently in between gigs. I'm, I've got a couple of pod fades and I got a couple of things on the horizon. But one of my old podcasts was called uh, Mandatory Cocktail Hour. And I talked to people about their social networks and how those social networks help them get to where they are today. And for people that might have found this through, you know, ANTP folks, I've got interviews with Brian Brushwood and Tom Merritt and Scott Johnson, Jenny Josephson, Brian Ibbett back in the archives, really interesting stories from all those folks about how they became the person they are today connected with the people that they met in the past. So that's some work that I'm really proud of that I'd love to point people towards. Nice. That's awesome. Very cool. Also real quick again, uh, folding at home is a thing that, um, that I do from time to time. Oh, you can find me at shave Maddox though. On, on the web as well. But also, uh, the Folding at Home team, uh, the Corona Conquerors, number 245171. Anybody that's out there that would like to join and help us out, please feel free. We are kind of dominating right now. We are closely approaching the top 1,000 uh, teams out there. And, uh, yeah, just helps, helps research, uh, run simulations on proteins and all that fun stuff and gets 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 the learnings done <laughs> because I don't know any about anything about it. That's the least I could do is let my computer figure it out for him. All right, then I think that is going to about do it for today. Thank you so much. Anybody out there that was listening and watching and uh, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you guys. And until yeah, pleasure. Thanks. Until next time. Tech or easy. Please hang up and try again.